are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Thursday show for you. We're going to talk about this weekend's games in college football. Yucko the Clown. Holy crap. Half the games are double-digit spreads. That's a lot for a weekend of college football, considering we got, what, 50 to 60 games this weekend? It is ugly. Not one top 25 matchup this weekend. Not one. Next week, we got seven. Next week is going to be so awesome in college football. This weekend, maybe you take a nap on Saturday. Uh, I got more on the Colorado-Nebraska game this past weekend, the effect that Dion is having in college football. Going to talk a little bit more about my picks, kind of look at some NFL games for this week, too. And I've got some more help for Aaron Rodgers in case he needs it. And we will get to all that momentarily. So yesterday, I want to clear up one thing. I, I didn't know why I, can, I couldn't even get my record right. Yesterday, you know, we've talked about in week one, full week of games, I was 7-2. and two. This past Saturday in college football, I was 6-1-1. and one, So 13-3-1 and one against the spread. And then I said, oh, yeah, I had that three-team 10-point tees in week zero. And for some reason, I was mixing up. I said, oh, the USC didn't cover. No, they did. They blew out San Jose State. It was when uh, Notre uh, – not Notre Dame. God, I'm already blanking again. I just – I made a note to get this right. It was when in week one, Ohio State winning by 20 on the tees – or – Winning by 20 in the game, and on the tees, the line was 20 and a half. So week zero, I hit my three-team 10-point teaser with USC minus 20, Notre Dame minus 10, and San Diego State game going under 59, and it went under by almost 30 points. So overall record, 14-3-1 against the spread in college football. And that'll be, you know, obviously the record going forward. Um, This weekend's games, I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to have three underdogs winning outright. Because I'd be forcing them if I did. And when I do pick those three underdogs, last week one of them was four and a half points at the time. But at the kickoff, Miami was down to three. I try and pick underdogs that give you a nice return of at least, I don't know, plus 180 or more. You know, so if I go one and two and the only one I hit is the 180, you're only losing $20. So I usually try and pick between a six and 10 point underdog to give you as. I'm not going to pick like a two-point underdog and be like, this is one of my underdog plays of the week because I don't think that's really much of an upset if a two-point underdog wins a game outright. But if a touchdown underdog does win outright, yeah, because you're going to get a nice return on it, usually in the 220 to 250 range. So um, I can already tell you right now, there's just not a lot of good games. I'd be forcing plays if I did. I'm not going to do that. So many games, as I said in the open, double digits for half of the games this weekend. I mean, I'm just looking at the slate. There's already no top 25 matchups, so you already know that you're not going to have a game where there's two top 25 teams playing each other. And I'm just looking at some of these games, nothing. Penn State, Illinois. Illinois stinks this year. Penn State's 15-point road favorites. I mean... Kansas State-Missouri, I I mean, I guess it's a good game. Kansas State's only a four-point road favorite. LSU-Mississippi State, two good names, but LSU should win that game fairly handily. Hint, hint. Just looking at some of the other, Michigan continues their atrocity of a non-conference schedule. 
you know, you st- <laughs> you started with who was it? Hawaii? No, I can't remember where they played in that first week. Then they went UNLV last week, and now they got Bowling Green this week, and they're favored by forty. The thing is, Michigan hasn't covered either of the first two games, laying thirty-five one week and thirty-eight last week against UNLV. They haven't covered either game. So, are you willing to take Bowling Green plus forty? I can tell you what. <laughs> Bowling Green plus 50 in a three-team 10-point teaser is looking mighty tasty, considering Michigan couldn't beat their first two opponents by even 40 points. Are they really going to beat Bowling Green by 50? Hmm. Um, you know, if if you live in New Mexico, maybe New Mexico, New Mexico State's uh, a big game for you. Notre Dame, Central Michigan, uh, Alabama, South Florida. Alabama's a 33-point road favorite. What is Alabama doing playing a game at South Florida? That is bizarre. What are they doing down there? They must owe them a favor or something. Minnesota, North Carolina, eh, I guess. They're both 2-0. and Northwestern, Duke, mm, no. <laughs> San Diego State, Oregon State, no. Oregon State's a 24-point favorite. Georgia's laying 28 against Southern uh, South Carolina. Oklahoma, Tulsa, no. A&M, UL Monroe, no. I mean, there's just not Tennessee, Florida. In terms of programs, it's the it's probably the one matchup on the board this weekend. We were like, "Wow, Tennessee against Florida, always a great game." Well, not necessarily. There have been some major blowouts in that in this in this history between them. But in terms of name value, that's probably the biggest name value game of the weekend. And Tennessee right now is laying six and a half at Florida. You know, probably be a good game, but. Florida has shown they might not be very good this year. Outside of that, really nothing else. Nebraska, Northern Illinois, Vanderbilt, UNLV. I mean, just a bunch of nothing. Syracuse, Purdue, be a decent game, but nobody's like, got to watch that one. Texas hosting Wyoming. That could be a major letdown spot for Texas. Coming off that Bama win and Wyoming already having beaten Texas Tech, right? Yeah, they beat Texas Tech. Now they're getting 30 at Texas. Could be something to look at. TCU at Houston. Good Big 12 matchup. First time Houston is playing a Big 12 conference game. And and, and then nothing else really after that. So I really need to, uh, to bear down and figure out a best bet for this week. I think I have one in mind. And, I, you know, I'm... In a week like this, and this is, you know, while I say there's a bunch of shitty games, there are. But, however, doing this as long as I have, usually when there's a bunch of shitty games and a bunch of games that nobody's interested, that's where weird shit happens. So be prepared that you might find something to where, oh, wow, this underdog hung with, you know, a three-touchdown underdog hung with them till the fourth quarter and maybe pulled something off. We don't know just yet, but uh, there's some, uh, you know, you know what? One of the best games on the board that you probably aren't even aware of is Troy hosting James Madison. Troy's a two and a half point home favorite. Troy is one of the best non-Power 5 schools in the country this year. That'll be a good game. So keep an eye on that. And I'll find some other games for you, but um, just be aware. Just because there's no top 25 matchups, 
look, do I think Alabama's going to lose on the road to South Florida? No. Is Georgia going to lose at home to South Carolina? No. I'm just saying with the point spreads being so big, everyone's going to want to lay a lot of points. And I wouldn't necessarily say that do it for all of them. You know, it's there's going to be some dogs uh, that play a lot better than you probably think they're going to play. Talking about the Colorado-Nebraska game again this past Saturday, something that uh, was brought to my attention yesterday it was on, or maybe it was the day before, it was that the ratings came out for the game. And do you realize that the Colorado-Nebraska game on Fox on Saturday drew 8.73 million viewers? Texas-Alabama, in prime time, two programs that are have storied traditions, Texas Longhorns, alabama Crimson Tide, that drew 8.76 million viewers. You cannot tell me that's all about football, because it's not. Colorado Nebraska almost outdrew Texas Alabama in prime time. This is how big of an effect Deion Sanders is having in college football this year. That is a huge number for a 12 o'clock kickoff. Huge number. You usually don't get that number until Ohio State, Michigan at the end of the season. 8.73 million to tune into Colorado and Nebraska. And Nebraska was 0-1 and looked putrid in week one. It's all about Dion, and people are really in tune. Have you heard what some of the NFL analysts are saying when they're covering talking college football and talking prospects? They're saying right now, if he comes out after this year, Shadur Sanders, Deion's son, quarterback of Colorado, is going to be a first-round pick. They say if he stays in college another year and comes out in 2025, he's basically going to be the number one pick. So that's what I mean when I say Dion, what he did at Colorado, by gutting his whole team, he's bringing in players. Colorado with a possible first round first pick in the draft you have no idea how irrelevant Colorado football has been for literally the last 20 years maybe 25 nothing and because of his name and because of who he is and because of the way he can lead men and speak and motivate guys want to go play for him Travis Hunter was set to go to Florida State and Deion Sanders flipped him to an HBCU school and got him to go to Jackson State. It's probably not talked about enough. The second he did that, we probably should have paid more attention to, wow, this guy's got some serious pull as a head coach. And again, as I brought up yesterday, I don't know what his ultimate goal is. I don't know if he wants to move on to a bigger job in college, which he will, and he's going to get offered at the end of this season, or if he wants to go pro, I think he's more suited for the college game. I can see him going to an SEC school. I could see him going to a Big 12 school. Well, he's already in the Big 12 with Colorado. I'm just saying a bigger name with a bigger football tradition that has more resources. And if that's the case, I mean, he's going to turn a program into a perennial top five, top 10 school. If he's allowed to do this, if the administration says, Dion, full reign. If you want to gut the whole team like you did at Colorado, do it. 
and and now he has more resources to do it with at a bigger school, an SEC school that brings in way more money than Colorado does. You got to watch out because this might be the new wave of college football. Also coming tomorrow, your NFL picks for the weekend. Not a great first weekend, two and three, but I love the first couple weeks of NFL football, and here's why. The fact of the matter is there's going to be games this weekend. I said it yesterday. I want to repeat it because you. I don't know if you believe me or not, but trust me, this is going to happen. There are going to be some teams that looked absolutely terrible in week one that come out and win outright in game two, and there's going to be teams that look great in week one that didn't that aren't going to look good in week two. And those are the games I'm kind of looking at. There's, there's two of them that definitely jump out to me. And those two are the Seattle-Detroit game and the Bears-Buccaneers. Because when you look at it on the periphery, you're like, oh my gosh, the Lions went on the road and beat the defending Super Bowl champions, and the Seattle Seahawks lost at home by two touchdowns to the Rams. Detroit now sitting at a five-and-a-half-point favorite against Seattle. Two things to keep in mind here. Number one, what I've been preaching to you, be always be aware for a team that looked really bad in week one against a team that looked really good in week one and them playing each other in week two. The other thing being these two teams played in Detroit last year and Seattle beat them 45-42. So keep that in mind. What's really just sticking out to me, and maybe I'm the dumb one here, and maybe they're just looking at the fact that Detroit held Kansas City to 20 points. Remember, it was without Travis Kelsey. And and Seattle only scored 10 points at home, and they lost an offensive lineman. But the fact that these two teams played in Detroit last year, same place they're playing this Sunday, and combined for 87 points, and now the total is 47? Seems awfully low, especially a Seattle team coming off a poor offensive performance. I'm looking at the over on that. I'm still deciding whether I'm going to bet it, but that over looks tasty, especially as part of a possible three-team 10-point tease. Over 37 between those two teams that are offensive-minded. I I don't know. And then the other one, the Bears in Tampa Bay. The Bears look awful at home. They get routed by the Packers. Tampa Bay goes on the road and beats Minnesota. Now everyone and their mother is going to be on Tampa Bay at home. I'm just saying, be careful. Now, you're also throwing your money on the Chicago Bears, who are not very good. So you also have to keep that in mind. At least I know that Seattle was a playoff team last year, and they have the ability and have shown the ability to be a good football team in recent memory. Bears have stunk forever. and But yet, you see that. Tampa Bay wins on the road at Minnesota, a playoff team from last year. The Bears get destroyed at home by the Packers, who always seem to beat the Bears. Yet the Buccaneers are sitting there as a a two-and-a-half-point home favorite. I'm telling you, Vegas is begging you to bet the Buccaneers. The public is going to be all over the Buccaneers. The sharp side, the professional side, is the Bears. But if you take it, you might want to take a, a mud bath afterwards because the Bears are capable of losing that game by two touchdowns. The Bills, I I guess this is another one that kind of jumps out to you. The Raiders go on the road to Denver and win in Denver. The Bills 
on the road in the Jets and look absolutely terrible. So Raiders at Bills, and the Bills are laying double digits right now. They're laying 10. I mean, that looks like, well, seems to be an awful lot of points for a team that looked good last week, but versus a team that didn't look good. But now the team that didn't look good is laying double digits. Seems to be a lot, but I'm I'm still not 100% sure that is a lot because the Bills – especially after a bad loss on Monday Night Football in front of a nationally televised audience, have the ability to come back and win that game by three touchdowns. I don't know how good the Raiders are. Some other There's some other games that I'm really looking at. I, I know I'm looking at the Steelers again after the best bet last week that lost, and it lost bad, and that game was over in the first quarter. I understand you would be maybe a little hesitant to jump back on the Steelers, but it is the second. There's two Monday Night Football games next week, Saints at Panthers and Browns at Steelers. Before the season, the Steelers were a two-point favorite in this game, and it's already moved four and a half points just on them playing one game each. Cleveland looking great against Cincinnati. Pittsburgh looking awful at home against the Niners. Well, here's that situation once again at play. Team looked great in week one, playing against a team that looked horrible in week one. Team that looked great, now a two and a half point favorite when before week one started, that line was Steelers minus one and a half or minus two. And now they're a two and a half point home dog for the second week in a row. Are they going to lose two weeks in a row at home? I mean, it's certainly possible, but my money is leaning towards taking Pittsburgh again. I just, San Francisco might be one of the two best teams in the NFL. So them coming in and winning 30 to seven, while the, the margin was probably a little bit more than I expected to say that San Francisco beating Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh was some major upset. It certainly wasn't. They were favored in the game. But just the fact that they won by 23 and handed Mike Tomlin his worst loss at home as the Pittsburgh Steelers head coach kind of makes you think they're a little fired up for this game. It's going to be on Monday Night Football at home against a team that's in your division who you don't want to lose a division game right off the bat and who's coming off a very big high after they already won a division game. A big-time three-touchdown win over a division rival, beating Cincinnati 24-3 last week. So, boy, now that I'm, I'm talking myself into a lot of games here, I don't know. I, I'm probably staying away from the Bears and Bucks. I just I can't with good conscience put my money on the Chicago Bears. Seattle, Detroit, I'm deciding whether or not I take the 5.5 with Seattle or bet the over. That's going to be one that I'm going to go back and forth on. I know I'm pretty much taking the Steelers. I'm pretty solid on uh, one other game as well, but NFL is just it's it's a wonky. And remember, I gave you all those stats in regarding um, in regards to weeks one and weeks two. If you don't remember them, here they are, and they kind of held true to form. If you went back and looked at what happened in week one. NFL weeks one and two since 2018, one to five and a half point underdogs were hitting 64% against the spread the last five years going into last week. 55, 31, and two against the spread. So, how many games were between one and five and a half points this past Sunday? Well, let's take a look. Atlanta, three and a half point favorite. They covered. Cincinnati, one point favorite. Dog covered, so that's one and one. Jacksonville, three-and-a-half-point favorite. They covered, so favorites two and one. 
Minnesota four point favorite. They didn't cover. Two and two for New Orleans three point favorite. They didn't cover. Dog covered there. Dogs three and two now. San Francisco one and a half point favorite. They won three and three. Then you've got Chicago, Denver, Chargers, Seattle. Chicago, that's four games where the dogs covered. Line was between one and five and a half. So that's three and seven to the dogs, and then two favorites, two more favorites covered, and then Buffalo, two and a half point favorites. So five and eight. So now that record is 60, 39, and two against the spread. One to five and a half point underdogs. Road dogs, 56, 35, and two, 61% against the spread in weeks one and two of the NFL. How did road dogs do? Carolina, 0-1. Houston, 0-2. Tampa Bay, they won, 1-2. Tennessee, they covered, 2-2. Arizona, they covered, 3-2 for road dogs. Green Bay covered, 4-2 for road dogs. Vegas covered, 5-2 for road dogs. Miami covered, 6-2 for road dogs. Rams covered, 7-2 for road dogs. Detroit covered eight and two for road dogs. So road dogs in weeks one and two since 2018 were hitting 61%. They went eight and two in week one. How many road dogs do we have this week? Minnesota tonight against Philadelphia. We've got Seattle plus the five and a half in Detroit. Bears plus two and a half in Tampa. Raiders plus nine and a half in Buffalo. Ravens plus three and a half in Cincinnati. Jets plus nine in Dallas. Commanders plus three and a half in Denver. And that's it. So what? That's about six games there. But those, I mean, dogs held true to form. Remember, 10 dogs covered of the 16 games in week one, and eight of them won outright. So underdogs overall. Weeks one and two since 2018. 88-62-3, 58%. So... Just early in the season, because we don't know these teams yet, starting to feel them out, it's always better to kind of just take the points. You're going to have favorites that cover, sure. But 10 out of 16 dogs covered in week one. I'm not saying 10 out of 16 are going to cover in week two, and eight of them are going to win outright, but I bet you it's a healthy amount of dogs that do cover in week two, whether or not they're home or a road dog. I don't think it matters. Just underdogs, keep keep an eye out for them. And finally, yesterday I told you that with Aaron Rodgers officially being out for the year with a torn Achilles, I said I would give him my scooter and he'd be allowed to use that. I have not heard back from his reps. Then again, I never reached out to them. But maybe somebody was listening and ran the message back to him. Uh, The other thing you're going to need, Aaron, you're going to need a shower chair because when I was going over this last year, when I was talking about after my surgery – and just having to deal with a torn Achilles and having a boot on and having a scooter. You remember what I told you guys. I said, it never really hurt. It didn't hurt when I did it. You saw Aaron there. Sure, he was kind of, he was sitting there and he couldn't put a lot of weight on his foot, but he wasn't screaming in pain. When Kobe did it to his Achilles in a game, wasn't screaming in pain. When KD did it, he wasn't screaming in pain. When I did it, I wasn't screaming in pain. I just knew something was wrong. And even after surgery, never had any pain unless I accidentally bumped my foot against something. And then it was just a sharp, like, you know, three or five seconds. 
the hardest part about the Achilles is the recovery time and the recovery of you now have a boot on at all times. So you have to go into a shower and put a plastic cover over your foot. You have to sit down in a chair in the shower because you can't stand. And that's just not comfortable. Getting up and down from the toilet have, because your foot has to be out because you're not allowed right away. You're not going to be able to put it at 90 degree angle. You have to like lay it out. And it's just not comfortable. Those are the toughest things. So, Aaron, if you need my shower chair as well, I'll throw that in. I'm a one-stop shop for all your, all the supplies you're going to need having a torn Achilles. I'll give you the scooter and throw in the shower chair. How about that? All on me. Free of charge, Aaron. You're my buddy. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcast. Rate and review as well. Pass it along to your friends. Tomorrow's going to be a big day. I'm going to narrow the games down tonight and give you your plays tomorrow in college football and pro football for the weekend. I told you where I'm leaning. I really – oh, wait, tomorrow's only Thursday. What am I talking about? We're still two days. Wait. T- okay, that's why I'm getting screwed up. I'm recording this Wednesday night. I know it airs Thursday. Okay, I only have one more episode this week, and that's tomorrow's podcast on Friday. You'll have your college football plays and your NFL plays. You know where I'm kind of leaning on certain games. I just gave you kind of where I'm headed in, in the NFL, but the amount of plays I'm going to do – in college is definitely going to be less because in week one I had nine plays and week two I had eight. I'm definitely not happy.